This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Hi, everyone. This is Steve Smith. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, November 5th. Competition among companies driving innovation in LiDAR technology is fierce. How do companies stand out in that crowded field of LiDAR suppliers? According to Omar Khalaf, CEO and co-founder of Israeli startup Innoviz, by delivering exceptional performance and reliability at a reasonable cost. He says Innoviz has developed a unique solution that delivers on all three of those attributes, particularly when it comes to cost. Innoviz uses very low-cost components, resulting in a bill of materials that, according to Khalaf, is significantly lower than other solutions on the market. How much lower? He won't say, but to him, the only thing that matters is the cost is meeting the expectations of OEM customers and their performance and reliability will meet consumer expectations. And regarding consumers and how they feel about autonomous features, the company recently conducted a study among consumers which revealed, according to Kalaf, that consumers need a lot more education when it comes to autonomous technology, not only on how to use it and the benefits the technology can deliver, but also on what responsibilities they still have as drivers, regardless of the level autonomous features built into the vehicle. What else did the company's consumer study reveal? Which automakers are working with the startup? And when might we see cars enabled with Innoviz technology on the road? We've caught up with Innoviz CEO and co-founder Omar Kalaf at the company's offices outside of Tel Aviv. Omar, thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive. How are you? Great. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you for joining us, and thank you for taking a few minutes out of your schedule. Why don't we start today's conversation? Can you tell us about Innoviz? What's the company up to? What's the company working on? Yeah, sure. So Innoviz uh, founded about uh, six years ago to develop LiDARs for autonomous vehicles. As you know, uh, LiDARs are part of the bottleneck uh, that uh, doesn't allow scale of autonomous driving due to uh, an unavailable uh, performance and cost and, and reliability. So Innoviz has developed a very unique uh, LiDAR solution and perception. So we're also developing the computer vision on top of the LiDAR. And it's a, a very good fit uh, to the space in terms of uh, meeting the, the needs. It is a very crowded space, as you point out. Can you talk a little bit about how your approach to LiDAR is different than others working in this field? Yeah, sure. So when we started to uh, work in this industry, we spent a lot of time talking with different customers, realizing that the requirements are quite uh, you know, very high in terms of performance, but also in terms of uh, price and, and, and reliability. Now, uh, what we learned is that um, there are there are different ways to develop a lidar, but eventually it, it doesn't uh, you don't solve something meaningful enough if you only solve part of the problem. You need to be able to provide everything. So we understood that the only way to achieve significantly uh, low enough uh, cost, we need to use technologies that are significantly cheaper than the existing solutions in the market. We are using uh, lasers that are at a 9 or 5 nanometer, which allows us to use a very low cost uh, components. So our bomb 
is significantly uh, lower than others that are using 1550 nanometers and in gas, etc. Now, the bottleneck. Uh, in using those uh, components is due to the assumption that you can't achieve significant performance in those uh, wavelengths. Uh, but that's the problem we solve. So in order to develop very high performance using 905 nanometer, we developed a few components that are critical that now combine a certain chipset that allows us to leverage on the price point of 905 but breaking through the barriers of performance uh, in, in that region. So we have a very interesting solution that is very different than others that allows us to provide very high performance at 905 nanometer and in a solid state manner. Higher performance, lower cost. Can you share a little bit about those cost advantages? 10%, 15%, maybe even uh, your your bill of materials price, if that is uh, if that is something you can share. Sure. I mean, what I can say is that uh, you know it it doesn't matter how cheaper I am by comparing to others. The only thing that matters is that I meet the price point willingness to pay of customers. Right now. Uh, when you talk about the automotive space and when you talk about car makers that are selling millions every year, uh, and those are privately owned vehicles, those are not uh, robot taxis or shuttles, those are you know, vehicles that eventually are going to be bought by, per by you know, people, private people. Uh, there is a certain amount uh, of uh, that people uh, in those volumes are able to pay for a car. And car makers uh, calculate, you know, how much their uh, their customers will be willing to pay for, uh, you know, level three or level two plus, and that drives them to a certain uh, cost point of, you know, what would be a lighter that allows them to get there, and that is roughly uh, $500. So that's where we are targeting with our new product, Innovis 2, and that's something that, uh, as far as I know, uh, other solutions are unable to provide not at the, at the performance level that is needed uh, to meet the requirements. Such an important part. It has always been a bit of uncertainty with the advancement of these new technologies, how much consumers wanted them and, and how much consumers were willing to pay for them. Such an important part. I think, in fact, you guys have done some recent research on consumer interest in autonomous technology and that willingness to pay. You mentioned $500. What else did your consumer study reveal about their willingness to pay, their interest in, in autonomous system, et cetera? Well, I think the main takeaway from that study shows that there is a lot of uh, lack of education uh, about what is really an autonomous vehicle. And that's something that, that is something that worries me is because uh, people uh, find it a bit too vague uh, when you talk about ADAS and autonomous driving and what is level two and what is level three. And, and that is uh, that worries me is because in fact, they don't really know uh, what level of uh, responsibility they still hold when they are in a car that drives in, in different levels of autonomous driving. And that might lead uh, to a lack of safety because in a level two vehicle, the passenger or the driver, you, you might call it, is still responsible for whatever goes uh, in the car. So he needs to pay attention. He needs to engage if something goes wrong. And since people are not very clear about uh, what are the real features of uh, that vehicle, what is a, a real autopilot, 
uh, they they tend to uh, disengage and and basically uh, exposing themselves to to risk that is not uh, of course it's not uh, it it's very bad <laughs> so that's something that uh, i think car makers and everyone should spend more time in explaining exactly uh, which uh, what each feature is really providing and what level of uh, safety uh, people are you know experiencing when using them yeah absolutely you ask somebody do they want a feature uh that helps the car drive itself mm, i don't know if i'd be willing to pay for that do you want a feature that automatically protects you from yourself? Definitely. I would be willing to pay for that. So a bit of it is semantics. A bit of it is education. And I think a piece of it, and I'd like your point of view on this, is active versus passive, right? Even at the lower lanes of automated driver assist, I'm guilty of this as myself. I turn off my driver, my lane assist, because I don't enjoy the feeling in my vehicle. So beyond consumers, do you have a point of view on this type of technology and the active versus passive use of it? Look, I think what uh, mostly is important is that uh, because of accidents that happen on level two, it creates a certain fear of people to adopt autonomous driving. And when you think about autonomous driving, uh, it actually should be something that people will eventually use in a very, uh, with a lot of confidence. Because, you know, today most of the accidents are still related to uh, human error and because people are easily distracted and and basically, at some point of time, it will be uh, humorous to say that a human being would drive uh, better than a machine. I mean, it's like when you enter a, a, you know, an airplane, and I will tell you, how about you taking, uh, you know, flying this uh, machine? And you will look at me funny, like, hey, are you kidding? Well, I mean, I mean, are you crazy that I will do something like that? And it doesn't make sense. I mean, eventually... It's very clear that many of the activities that us humans are doing are going to be easily replaced by machines, but because still those features are not uh, explained well, uh, it creates fear that at the time that uh, those technologies would be mature enough and would be really level three and not level two, which level three allows you to disengage, uh, market adoption uh, would be more difficult, and that's a shame because we can actually get to safer mobility sooner. We'll be right back with more. Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for trade appraisals missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves. From appointment scheduling through final confirmation, all in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for both CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service lane. GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com.
Let's turn back a little bit to Innoviz and the company and, and progress in its journey. Who are some of the companies that have invested in Innoviz and, and helping you drive this innovation in LiDAR? So uh, there are many partners uh, to Innoviz. Some of them are investors, some of them are customers, and some of them are actual business partners. I would uh, I would say that you know we have investments that are coming from different uh, tier ones in this uh, industry, companies like Magna and Aptive and Harman, uh, who invested in the company, uh, but also partner with us. So they you know working with them in this industry and collaborating on different programs. But even you know BMW, which is a very big customer of us, although they did not invest for equity. Uh, they have hundreds of people and you know working on this program with us and you can think about the level of investment they made in order to bring our product to the market in automotive grade I think it goes much beyond any investment that was you know done by any single uh, I would say contributor I mean think about the automotive space is usually uh, bringing new technologies through only specific car companies, usually the German car companies are the first to adopt new technologies and they spend a lot of money and time in order to validate and you know, qualify your technology to get to the mass market in automotive. And that's a, a, it's a very important seat to take because once they choose a certain technology and invest that, you know, many years and hundreds of people, uh, that's an opportunity uh, that, uh, you know, we managed to acquire. And of course, uh, there are other programs now that we are competing on. Uh, but the fact that we have BMW validation and bringing us to the market is, is one of the strongest ones. Where are you in the deployment of your technology in, in the maturity cycle? Uh, are there vehicles already with your technology deployed? If not, uh, when, 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 when might we see that? Okay, so if you're referring to a vehicle that is currently already sold to different customers public in the public domain, no. So there are no cars today that you can actually order when you have a level three with. Uh, probably BMW would be the first uh, to offer such a vehicle with, with our LiDAR. Uh, I usually do not refer to their timeline because you know that's that's my customer's uh, you know plan. Absolutely. I, I wouldn't want to refer to that, but I would say that you you would see many cars, you know, uh, with uh, with our lidar in in their uh, you know data collection and testing prior to the launch of the vehicle. But of course, on top of it, you know, we are you know we are working on additional programs. We also were nominated for series production in automotive program for shuttles. So there is another customer in Europe who um, already selected uh, our technology to be used on level four applications uh, for a shuttle uh, you know, program, which is, I think, also very exciting because if you think about autonomous driving, there are many ways uh, which can, we can actually translate it to a certain application. Most of us think about robotaxis as kind of like the autonomous driving as a vehicle that uh, takes us from anywhere to anywhere, but in any, new technology, there are usually uh, the minimum viable product, uh, the MVP of such a technology. And those are uh, the privately owned vehicle level three, which we work with with BMW and some others, but also shuttles, which are 
a much more simple uh, automation of mobility because it's done in a predetermined route. It doesn't need to drive very fast and it gives already quite a meaningful value because it can you know, bring many people around in areas that today don't are not mapped by the public transportation. You talked a minute ago, you mentioned projects that are underway, pilots that are underway. Can you share a little bit about what you're learning from those those projects and pilots? Yeah, so there, there are different, uh, I would say, sourcing uh, processes ongoing in, in different uh, co- companies. Uh, I think the, there are two interesting takeaways that I can share or insights. One is that uh, many car makers uh, are planning to use a LiDAR already in a level two or level two plus, you might call it, a program. Now, a level two plus is an interesting uh, feature because it means that the car drives itself, but not uh, instead of you. It means that you're still required to pay attention. But uh, since uh, today, uh, not using a LiDAR on those platforms is causing still many accidents because there is an over, I would say, uh, confidence of people in those applications and they they do uh, tend to be distracted. So car companies want to avoid unnecessary accidents and they want to use a LiDAR even in these applications. And the benefit they get is that they have on the ground vehicles with a level three ready hardware and basically uh, do data collection and validation uh, through uh, hundreds or thousands of vehicles that will be on the road, on the ground, and reach level three faster and in a much less uh, expensive manner. So that's uh, that. Those are s- several programs that we're currently uh, competing on, that are going to be uh, st- launched as a level two plus, and then later uh, going to level three. Another insight that I can share is that. Look, when we started a few years ago, what we saw is that the most of the activities are done by the premium, and I would even say German car companies. As expected, they were the first to um, basically kick off such a technology program. And you you tend to see that the, the, the car makers in, U- in the US and, at, and, and Japan are usually the last to, to adopt a new technology. They are the most risk averse. And the fact that we are now seeing even the Japanese entering a sourcing process, uh, and obviously the volumes are significantly higher in those uh, RFQs, uh, gives me a good confidence that, you know, LiDAR is not only going to be used by the premium technology car makers, but it's it, it is going into the mainstream. You talk about sourcing, I'm curious, are you being impacted by the chip shortage? Are you making changes in how you source your materials in response to that? No. Uh, look, I mean, currently the programs that we are competing on and are in discussion to be launched are for the time frame of uh, 20, you know, 24, 25, 26. Uh, for the time frame in which this crisis is happening, uh, the chip shortage should not be uh, impactful. So, of course, uh, there is more, I would say, attention uh, in terms of uh, doing uh, sufficient, uh, I would say, warehousing, I don't know if that's the right term, uh, of uh, components for a sufficient time. That's something that car makers are asking us to, uh, 
to commit to. Uh, but beyond that, uh, there is no immediate uh, issue. Well, certainly exciting times in the end of his journey. What's next? What's the big milestone? So um, we are going to launch our next generation product, InnoViz2, which is uh, going to be uh, shown uh, in the coming month or two. Uh, that's a product that is going to, you know, make a huge impact because it's uh, it's about 30 times better than the first product, and the first product was anyway, you know, very <laughs> a very good product. Uh, so it's going to be significantly better in performance and 70% cost reduced. So that's uh, a huge uh, step that allows us today to be very competitive on many programs. And we see the the engagement uh, from the different customers, and hopefully we'll be also able to uh, win some meaningful uh, programs in the space. Uh, so I think that would be uh, something to expect in the next uh, probably six months, uh, because we see many many uh, many programs uh, in different sourcing stages that are planned to be finalized in this uh, period of time. Omar, thank you so much for joining me today on Daily Drive and giving us an update on what's going on at Innoviz and sharing your perspective on LiDAR and autonomous vehicles. Thanks so much. Thank you. That's Daily Drive for Friday, November 5th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash Daily Drive. As always, thanks for listening. Have an amazing weekend. We'll be back on Monday.